Between the Covers, a series designed around who and what can be done and achieved by patients, planning and working in a community of like-minded, successful people. This podcast series is for anyone looking at becoming a successful published author and those looking to understand the mind of a writer and the goals of a publisher. Proudly sponsored by Shoreline Publishing. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome to Between the Covers, the Shoreline Publishing podcast. And on this episode, we've got the lovely Kim Barden. How are you, Kim? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you going? Not too bad. Not too bad. And we're here to talk all about your books, The Gilded Mirror, These Grim Fates, and possibly a third book. We'll come to that a bit later on, okay? Yes. So, uh, The Gilded Mirror, that was your first book. It's out. How's it going? Uh, It's going really well. So, uh, that came out March last year. So, it's almost um, hitting its one-year birthday, which is pretty exciting. Will there be a party? Uh, there will be because it'll be the same release date as these Grim Fates, so it's sort of like a one-for-one. Oh, wow, um, excellent. <laughs> but I've had a lot of good feedback. Uh, I've had a lot of ARC reviewers reach out to me, a lot of social media uh, and things like that where I've seen it posted on other people's pages on Bookstagram, which is pretty exciting, um, cool. seeing your book out in the world with other big readers. So it's been really, really, I guess, surreal in that sense. That's fantastic. And uh, and how did you find the process of writing The Gilded Mirror? Like, was that, was that a, is it the first time you've written something or have you been writing since school? What's been the process? I've always done short stories and things like that, but I really wanted to just go out and, and finish a novel. I think I've got a few unfinished ones from when I was about 14 or 15 years yeah. old, but nothing, nothing that was actually ever completed. So I signed up for something called National Novel Writing Month where you have to write 50,000 words in 30 days. Oh, wow. Uh, so I wrote The Gilded Mirror within a six-week period, so between wow. the 1st of November through to mid-December, and I just powered, powered through it. Um, the the other books in the series have not uh, come as easily <laughs> as that. But, yes, book one was was a very quick win. I was quite surprised, you know, hitting 100 and something thousand words after six weeks so did you find going through that process created a bit of pressure to write and that's what inspired you to get going or absolutely so I do that uh every year so I think this was 2017 or 2018 that I I did that and I've done um NaNoWriMo is what they call it for short I've done it every year since and it usually gives me that little kick up the butt that I need or um you know, pressures me to, to make time uh, instead of procrastinating, which, trust me, I'm very, very good at. <laughs> oh, I think we all are. And I think sometimes a little kick in the pants is quite good. So yes. did, did um, NaNoWriMo help with the writing of These Grim, fa- uh, these grim Tales? Fate, sorry. Um, yeah, These Grim Fates. So it definitely did. Um, I had a little bit of writer's block through book two. I found it a little bit harder to gain momentum because the the world's already built, but it's where you sort of start building on those characters and giving them a little bit more depth. Um, I'm a big believer that even if you've got a side character, everybody needs to have some kind of motivation, even if they're only in it for a little while. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I hit a bit of a roadblock and I had to delete 10,000 words because I didn't know where I'd written myself into a corner. Oh, no. Um, it was horrible, but I did it oh. just before NaNoWriMo and it kind of forced me to... Uh, keep going. So I think about 20,000 of those 50,000 words were um, <laughs> sludge that I ended up deleting, but it, it got the momentum going and it got that story back up and running for me to be able to finish it. Did you find that so disheartening? Because I reckon I'd nearly cry. Uh, it was 
<laughs> it was so painful. <laughs> you know, you put so much work into something and there were some really good scenes in there. And I think my rookie error is I now, if I cut out something, I'll now save it because I'll still take little tidbits of what I liked um, from that. But at the time I was writing the book on my mobile phone uh, and I just, I deleted it and I, I later went into work and just went, what have I done? I didn't save it. Um, so I kind of had no choice but to really kick my butt into gear and just do it. Now, I wanted to touch on that writing on your mobile phone, but was mm-hmm. the whole series written on your mobile phone? Is that true? Uh, so book one and two and half of book three has been written on my mobile phone. Yes. Oh, you must have thumbs of steel. Uh, I've got little indents on my pinky from where the phone's been sitting. Um, I've actually had to move to a laptop because my uh, doctor, when I told him about it, was just like, oh, my God, no, you can't do that. Um, So, yeah, something about getting arthritis early and all of that. So I've had to move to a computer, which has been a bit of an adjustment. Um, But, yeah, occasionally if I have a scene that comes to mind or something that really just clicks and I'm on public transport or on my lunch break, I'll completely type up the scene on my phone and then I'll copy it across. So I use a writing program called Wordsmith and it sort of sets it out into chapters and saves it onto the cloud for you. Uh, That was my next question. Like, where do you you write? I mean, obviously, you get the inspiration when you're on a bus or a train or something, you just got something down and you can on your phone. I've read somewhere, I don't know where, that, you do most of your writing or all of your writing outside when possible. Yes. So I'll do it on my balcony or I'll go to a cafe or I'll sit at a park bench in a park. Um, I don't like to sit in the office and do it. It feels too much like I'm at work. Um So obviously I'm an office worker um, and just getting outside sort of, I guess, is my way of getting those creative juices flowing. Whereas when I'm in an office, I'm a little bit more, I guess, structured and and stilted and organised, whereas I kind of want it to be a bit chaotic because that's what makes the story wonderful. So how did you stumble across that little that little piece of inspiration to write outside? Was it a conscious thing that like, I'll just go outside and I'll scribble something one day or was it a I need to go outside because this is stifling inside? Well, it was, as I said, with NaNoWriMo, it was a bit of an accident. I kind of thought, how am I going to write 50,000 words when, you know, I work full time and the bus or train takes me 30 minutes. I'm not going to get home until six. Um, You know, what's a way that I could, you know, do this and be able to accomplish it without losing time? And I just found that writing on my phone, on the train, on sitting outside on my lunch break, it just worked for me and it's it's now something that I've carried through for for my entire creative process I reckon it's a yeah. marvelous it's just a marvelous thing I reckon it's fantastic now you mentioned social media a little bit earlier on yeah um you, you've had plenty of good feedback on social media has there been any negative feedback how has that affected your writing um look I got my first one star review recently and it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty savage <laughs> um I, I laughed it off. It was quite nice, though, that um, I made a bit of a joke about it and uh, a lot of people kind of was uh, a bit shocked by it and they stood up for me, which was really nice to see. That's nice. Nice um, the community. But, you know, not everybody's going to like my writing and, um, you know, even some of the biggest authors that you know of have one stars or horrible things said. So I kind of just moved on, had a little bit of a laugh about it because at the end of the day, I'm writing for me, I'm writing the story that I want to read. Um, and if, you know, I can bring some kind of magic to somebody else at the same time, then I feel like I want. So I think that's one of the keys to writing is writing the story that you want to read, the story that you enjoy, because if you're enjoying it, 
fair chance somebody else will and somebody else will and somebody else will. So to be able to put, you're putting yourself into the story when you're writing like that. Absolutely. Um, Now, I want to ask you about your character development. You're into the second book now, um, Mm -hmm. which we'll we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute. But uh, how have you found the character development? Has it been really organic or have you had to really work for the character development in the second book? It's an interesting question. Um, I think I think some characters just come alive on their own. Um, they, you know, they grow and they start doing things that you wouldn't necessarily have planned for them to do, but when they do do it, it just works. Uh, I think I've only really had maybe two or three of the characters where I've either rushed to development or not done it enough or they've done something really out of character and I've had to reevaluate what that scene looked like or what that um you know uh, conversation looked like because I find that a lot of the character growth comes from the speech uh in my book so a lot of it comes from their interactions and how they communicate so uh most of them are organic but there have been two or three that I've really had to focus on and I think I've rewritten their scenes maybe seven eight times just to make sure that that flows and it's it's not a bit stilted and the reader goes huh (laughs) the um I wanted to ask you too about the um Mm -hmm. The, the fact you've been around the place a fair bit, has that helped you with your character development? I think you've been to 53 different countries, is that true? Yes, that's correct. Um, so has that it, helped with your character <laughs> development or even your location development and, and, and story narratives? Yeah, absolutely. I think location's a big one. Um, I've been to a lot of places that have that fairy tale kind of vibe to it, uh, you know, things like Norway or a lot of places in Europe, um, you know, Disneyland. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and a lot of those villages that I've seen, um, you know, especially in towns where they're like Prague, where they've got the old town square areas and it's very medieval. Uh, I've pulled a lot of uh, scenes from the Silver City um, or other tiny little villages from that view. Um, and it, it has, especially the scenery in Norway, it's basically like New Zealand on steroids. Um, and it's it's just absolutely incredible what kind of, you know, imagery comes up in my head. So, yeah, it's it's definitely helped with that. So the titles of your book are The Gilded Mirror, These mm-hmm. Grim Fates. Do we have a working yes. title for the third book yet? Uh, the third book is called A Glass Darkly. So the, these are all little hat tips to fairy tales gone by, aren't they? Yes, correct. So A Glass Darkly, as you're probably aware, is a reference to Alice in Wonderland. So, yep. yeah. And and the, the, the Grim Fates, obviously, the, the Brothers Grim. A mm-hmm. uh, bit of a hat tip there in the Gilded Mirror. Is that the um, the magic mirror from uh, Snow White? Snow White. <laughs> sure is. Yes. Excellent. Now, tell us about these Grim Fates. I'm really interested in this one because, um, as you know, and we spoke about it before, I haven't read the book. So I want to know if there's any little Easter eggs in there that can um, that, that would get me hooked on a, on a, um, a, a fantasy like that. I think the biggest thing about the sequel is um, a lot of people will need to read book one to understand a lot of the references in book two. But um, my favourite part about writing this series is how I'm building on a lot of fairy tales that you think that you know, but I've put a bit of a twist on them. Um, And I'm building on fairy tales that I've already put on there and sort of compounding again 
on that. Um, and book two is really exciting because it compounds on that even more and people's fates get a little bit more interweaved and we start getting into uh, the Sisters Grimm, who are our big bad gods of the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, really exciting because it's it's where we start to get to see interactions of characters and love triangles form. Uh, and we've got quite a few action scenes in this one, which uh, the first one was a bit of a slow burn, a bit of a build, introducing you to the world and things like that. Whereas this book's a little bit more bam, bam, bam. Like it's fast-paced so a, um, a, a rollicking good time so to speak yes so I was really excited that I could speed that up for readers a little bit but just give them that bit more um you know a little bit more darkness a little bit more violence uh and just be able to build on that world that I've already introduced you to so at, at what point do we look at the at book three hitting the shelves and creating that that trilogy like the Lord of the Rings or or the Matrix or you know these trilogies that come out when do we find the trilogy for your for your um, series? I would love it to be a trilogy. Uh, at the moment, it's five books. Ooh, Ooh <laughs> um, so this I'm is good. Yeah, I'm currently writing the finale at the moment. So uh, for anyone interested, book three and book four are completely written and finished. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I will need to do edits and put in Easter eggs and things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, at this stage, I'm hoping book three can be out by the end of the year, fingers crossed. Oh, so, fingers crossed. We'll, we'll make sure we have a chat to these nice publishing people at Shoreline Publishing and, and see what we can do about getting that before. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the second book in the series, These Grim Fakes, is available mm-hmm. on the Shoreline Publishing website for pre-order now. Um, yes. Have you had much interest so far that you know of? Uh, I've had a few friends and family purchase it and I've had quite a few people, again, online, social media, I rep it a lot. Um, uh, they've they've sparked interest in it. People that haven't even seen book one have just adored the cover with the cauldron and the hand and the green it's smoke. Beautiful, and it's really beautiful, it's, that cover. It's gorgeous. They've done amazing. Um, so, yeah, I've had a lot of people with interest to read that book, so I've sort of had to kind of key them to, to the first book. Um, so I have had a few comments and things like that where people have bought book one and pre-ordered book two. So I I think that's really exciting. Um, I'm keen to to see what people think. It's nerve-wracking and exciting all at the same time. Oh, look, it's a marvellous thing, and the series sounds marvellous. Kim, thank you so much for your time on this episode, and, uh, and all the very best when, uh, when these grim fates come out very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Covers, produced by Shoreline Publishing.